This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast on Friday, September the 30th. I'm Jamie Long and first today, a woman who purchased puppies from a breeder says she's devastated after one died just nine hours after he got dropped off. Our reporter Charlotte Phillips has the details. What do we know? Becky Peake from Dartford bought the Border Collie Cross Puppy for £350 and the breeder even offered her a payment plan so that she could afford it. Initially, she was only looking for one puppy, but the breeder offered her its brother for free, which she accepted. She described the breeder as lovely, both over the phone and in messages. Just four hours after she got them, both puppies were were unable to fully stand and were throwing up. She also noticed that they looked underweight. After seeing a vet, she was told that the dogs had suffered weeks of neglect, malnourishment and internal bleeding. As a result, one of the puppies, Ghost, was put to sleep. When Becky contacted the breeder, they refused to take any blame and went as far as to accuse her of hurting the dogs. In a statement, the RSPCA said, We'd urge anyone thinking of getting a dog to do lots of research first and to ensure they source a puppy responsibly. Please consider rescuing a dog from a rehoming charity and if you want to buy a puppy, be cautious when choosing a breeder. Charlotte, thank you. Next today, plans to build 4,000 homes on the outskirts of Canterbury have been delayed again. The Mountfield Park development has already faced a high court battle, but a final decision was due to be made last night. Planning officers voted to defer because of concerns about traffic and sewage. The new Garden City would also include schools, office space, community buildings and sports facilities. A man who attacked a woman at a house in Canterbury while other people slept nearby has been jailed. It happens back in 2012, but Alistair Hitchcock went on to try and convince authorities that he was the victim. The 33-year-old from Whitstable Road in the city has been locked up for seven years. A man who smashed a glass into a clubber's face, knocking him unconscious, has been jailed almost four years after the attack. 30-year-old Jerome Starkey from the town carried out the assault at the Ashford Club on the High Street in December 2018. He's now been locked up for two years after years of delays in court proceedings. Kent Online News. For the first time since July last year, house prices here in the southeast have failed to rise in monthly terms. Nationwide says they're unchanged from August, but are still almost 10.5% higher than in September 2021. It's another sign the market could be slowing down because of rising interest rates and the cost of living crisis. Michael Welton is a mortgage advisor in Rochester. For first-time buyers, obviously, they've had, the recent news is that they that the stamp duty for any purchase actually um, is is beneficial. So it does make it slightly more attractive there. But ultimately, they need to take advice. They shouldn't um, just um, speak to. They should speak to family and parents and friends, but actually speak to a professional who's qualified and get all the options and be fully fully aware. And knowledge is knowledge is everything. So they can have you can make a proper informed decision on what they want to do. And it could be that they need to sit tight and wait, or it just depends on the situation for the individual. If there isn't an op- option, then absolutely they need to uh, seek advice 
and uh, progress with what they're trying to buy. But I would ultimately say speak to a professional who can sort of guide you through the different options and hopefully away from any uh, landmines. And for a homeowner who's already got a mortgage but is looking maybe to downsize or upgrade, is now the right time to move or would you advise against it right now? What I'm reading in the in the press through various um, sort of industry magazines is to, to sit tight, really. Um, um, stay calm and uh, carry on is the is what I've been reading a lot of as a phrase. And it's don't do anything too rash. But the key thing is if um, you're not looking to move, okay, and you do have your mortgage, you are concerned about your fixed rate finishing over the, in the next few years and your, your lot options are limited when that happens, one thing to consider, okay, again, always speak to a professional, but it's po- probably more cost effective and beneficial to, if you can overpay, if you can reduce that mortgage, the better. Okay, so it is actually, the mortgage is, is a loan, it is something that needs paying off. So actually, if you can, if you do have capacity to pay it down while your while your loan and your interest rate is a bit cheaper. I mean, obviously, with mortgages, they're, they're, they're all different. People have different fixed terms for over different periods of time. Would that be the advice to anybody who's on a fixed rate at, at the moment? Do you think that is the best thing for them to do? Yeah, absolutely. It's speak to your trusted advisor, have have a conversation, and they will guide you through the options. Um, we uh, and that's exactly what I've been doing all week. I've had a lot of panicked people ringing up saying, "Am I gonna? What am I gonna do? I've got a year left." Um, and we can we can work through the numbers, look at the options, and say, "Right, if you were to do it now, it would cost you X." Um, we can't predict the future. We don't know what Y would be. But this is this is again. It's as I said earlier. It's gathering that information to be fully informed, so you can make that informed decision on the best um, outlook for yourself. You know, because every individual, as you say, is uh, different, and they've all got different circumstances. And people on variable rates, presumably, that's not a great situation to be in at the moment. Absolutely not. Um, so again, if you are on a variable rate, you must, must, must go see see a, your your bank, see a mortgage advisor, take some advice and make sure you're you're protecting yourself but see all of the options because um sometimes a variable rate may be the most suitable okay for different circumstances but to protect against future increases a fixed rate is generally the best way to go at the moment um you say you've had a a lot of calls um i'm sure you are going to be very very busy at the moment i mean what sorts of things have people been saying to you when they've got on the phone have you got some really quite concerned people that they won't be able to afford to pay their mortgage every month absolutely that most of so all my clients are generally in a fixed rate at the moment already okay um the the concern is that when that fixed rate finishes what are they going to be paying Okay, so um, it, the ones at the moment, so anyone that I have as a client at the moment, I've, if they've got six months left to run, I've already been in contact and we've already been working on their options. Okay, so you can do it six months prior to the end. So that's really sensible to uh, to do. Um, anyone's got more than six months, um, again, don't hesitate. Do call your advisor and look at the options because it may actually be more cost effective to break the deal you've got and fix. And it might not be somewhat cost effective, but also it just, may protect you from further increases okay so what the prediction of the, from the bank of england on the, on the base rate is actually fixing sooner rather than later can be a better option but again it's all about speaking to your, your trusted advisor whether that's your bank manager whether that's um, a financial uh, advisor whether it's an ifa or a mortgage broker whoever that may be speak to the professional and make sure you're getting the, the right advice and right options um and exactly that's exactly what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm running through the options with everyone 
as they come to me and different and the key thing i say is just don't panic um only, you can only control what you can control and we'll just make an informed decision based on the options we've discussed a review into Kent County Council's handling of a school transport fiasco has identified a number of serious flaws. Children with special educational needs and disabilities can get free travel, but a shake-up of the system earlier this year left some pupils stranded. Reports found there was a lack of understanding about the impact it would have. The council say they accepted the findings and have already made positive changes. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. There are calls for an alleyway near Sittingbourne to be blocked off because of anti-social behaviour. People living near the cut through on Coombe Drive in Merston say they're living in fear after reports of people deliberately starting fires and using catapults to smash windows. Clive Beach is a resident. We was having a cup of tea and we could hear bang, 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 as they were throwing stones at me. And then one come up and hit me on the head here, cut my head open. I reported it and got a crime number, but I have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. If the little baby had been in a pram and that had hit her, that would have killed her. But all these we've reported to the council and we're not getting anywhere about anything. I've not had heard anything about it from anyone and it's not right. And the expense of keep repairing all these fences, what we should do really is charge the council for all our repairs and the windows. Why should we have extra money on our insurances? Because we're claiming for having windows smashed and things like that. Well, James Hall is a councillor in Merston and says there are things which could be done to help. We should put a gate here, yeah? to stop people entering the alleyway and also put a gate at the other end. And that was in February this year, one of the officers came out and uh, she told me she was going to investigate the possibility of that. I haven't heard anything back as yet, um, but it really has to be done. It's been going on for a number of years and I think now we need to get this gate up as soon as possible. Now I know Kent County Council own the, the pathway, but under certain regulations, if it's causing a a hindrance anyway at all, uh, causing the people in these houses to live in fear, then that gate should be up there to safeguard them. And that's why I'm really waiting desperately to get the gate fixed. Police say they're aware of the concerns and officers are working with the council to identify any improvements that can be made. It's feared asylum-seeking children could be mistakenly sent to Rwanda if the Home Office wrongly decides they're adults. The Refugee Council's highlighted errors in some of the department's age assessments for young people who've come to the UK. The Home Office say they're using scientific measures to make sure checks are as robust as possible. There are more rail strikes tomorrow. There'll be no southeastern train services running all day. However, it's left some people concerned how they're going to get to the London Marathon, which is taking place this weekend. Let's hear it from John Horsell from Network Rail. On uh, Saturday, there is a full day of industrial action. Um, and I'm really sorry to say that for passengers uh, in the southeast that use southeastern service, there will be no services running. It also will disrupt some services on the Sunday morning. So the message is, as ever, check before you travel and be really cautious even the day after uh, the industrial action. 
Yeah, and I know a lot of people might be heading from Kent into London this weekend. We've got the London Marathon going on. What's the advice? I'm so sorry about the disruption in with respect to the London Marathon. I, I've done the marathon myself, so I, so gosh, I know how much training you put in and then fundraising and all of that. So what we've done is we put on additional services on the Sunday to make sure that the runners can get to the race on time. And all the runners have been given information about those services. We work really closely with the marathon organisers. So the information that runners have been given is in conjunction with us. So you can get to the race uh, on the Sunday. However, the Saturday is a different picture because there's no services running. So if you're if you were planning on registering for the marathon on the Saturday, you need to quickly think again because you're going to really struggle if you were planning to get to the registration by train. What about for friends and family who are maybe heading up to London to watch someone run the marathon? What What's the advice for them? So on the day of the marathon itself, on the Sunday, there isn't any industrial action. There may be a little bit of carryover from the day before. So just check those first those first trains, those early trains, because they could be affected a little bit. But to be quite honest, when my family... Uh, uh, came to watch me. Um, they, they arrived a lot later. So all things being equal, uh, it should be OK. But do check before you travel. Our artwork is going on show around Margate to try and raise awareness of plastic pollution. 17 international artists have been commissioned to create murals in the town promoting ocean conservation. Over the past two years, more than 3,000 kilograms of rubbish has been collected from Margate's beaches. The majority of it was single-use plastic. Amy Cook is the founder of Rise Up, Clean Up Margate. We've been running beach cleans since um, July 2020. Um, and since then, we've collected 968 bags of rubbish. Um, which is an awful lot of rubbish. We've created a visual on our social media where you can see how much of Maine Sands that covers. And it's about two thirds of Maine Sands that it covers with bin bags if you put all those bin bags together. Um, so it's an awful lot of rubbish, yeah. And how do you think the art will help to get the message across that single-use plastic isn't a good thing and, and we really could try and use other products or or maybe just make sure that we throw our litter away more responsibly? How do you think the art will get that message across to people? I think it's really good as a conversation starter. Lots of people who don't know anything about Rise Up Clean Up um, have been stopping in the streets and looking at these murals and asking, engaging with the artists, asking what it's about. So it's really, really helping spread the message that we're here and about the work we're doing. Um, so whilst you can argue, you know, just looking at a painting isn't going to change the world, what it does do is it creates this kind of Margate-wide engagement with the subject and will make people aware that there is something going on larger than just the murals themselves and that around the murals there's this much bigger movement which is a town-wide movement to try and protect Margate's oceans and reduce the amount of plastics we're putting on the beaches in the first place as well as preventing those plastics that are there from getting into the ocean so I think what it is really is just a big inescapable kind of branded moment where everyone can see these beautiful artworks which all highlight the same issue and all of them will have plaques on explaining that they're part of the residency and from there people can go to that and find out more about the residency and more about Rise Up and what we do. So I think it's really a kind of key into our work 
which hopefully will engage parts of the community that we haven't been able to reach so far. And how long is the art going to be on show for? So if anyone who doesn't live in Margate wants to see it, have they got a long time to be able to, to see it? Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're considered permanent works of art. So they'll be there for as long as the buildings allow it, really. Um, we obviously, if a new owner takes over a building, they might decide to paint over it. But um, we are here to kind of at the residency to we've got a legacy to maintain them. So if they sort of have wear and tear, we can kind of have the upkeep of those um, of those murals. But yeah, in theory, they are permanent works of art here as kind of constant reminders of, of you know what we need to do to protect the oceans and do you have any future projects planned obviously this this is a, a really big one and it's going to make a huge impact what have you got coming up in future well the ambition for the residency is that this is the initial one which brings together these 17 artists at one time but that um a residency is where an artist you know comes and lives in a certain place and in that time it's a kind of cultural exchange where they learn about the place they're staying and they get the chance to do their art while also learning from um, the place in the residency takes place. So the idea is to have one artist come every year to add to the mural project. Um, so over time, it kind of keeps growing and keeps evolving and um, and we keep sort of bringing, you know, new artists to Margate to kind of teach them about Margate as well as an important thing, not just to have them come and do their work here. So that's the kind of legacy of it. Um, and there's an education programme for schools going on um, as part of the legacy. So that's hopefully kind of influencing the next generation. And obviously it's a great thing for schools to be able to do, to see the artworks and go around them. But we've also got a kind of programme of activities that can be carried forward into schools. Um, and then going forward, our kind of movement as Rise Up Cleanup is always to have some artistic project running every year, um, which helps create community engagement with the issues that we tackle. So for next year, uh, we'll have to wait and see. We're still in progress about working out exactly what that um, engagement will be. But once the residency is all tied up, we're going to kind of sit down and have a conversation about that. But it is part of our kind of, um, yeah, our strategy to have one project running every year. Do give us the, the website details or anyone who wants to find out a bit more, maybe check out the map before they head to the town if they're not local. Where do they need to go to find all the info? Yeah, um, you can go to the Rise Up Residency website, which is just riseupresidency.co.uk. A mosque in Gillingham is hosting a celebration of women's rights tomorrow. The Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association is marking the importance of women leading women. President of the Kent branch, Faisa Miraz, says it was important women lead their own way. Women leading women is more important in today's society because women only know what women want. You know, we can cater for our needs. That's not to say we don't work with men and stuff, but when we specifically look at our needs, we can sort of cater for that a lot more. So our auxiliary sort of looks at empowering women. Um, there's lots of different things. There's, um, so the social outreach work we do, there's our own religious knowledge that we try to improve on. Um, what was this physical health? Um, looking business is also quite pushed within the women's community that, because if you look back at the time of the um, Holy Prophet, his first wife, uh, Khadija, she herself was a businesswoman. So pushing women to sort of look after their own needs and wants is important than just being totally reliant on men. It's a case of working together as a society, but also trying to push yourself 
in different aspects. The association's marking its 100th anniversary. And in football, Gillingham are in desperate need of a win as they welcome Sutton United to Priestfield this weekend. Neil Harris's sides have played 10 games so far this season, but only won one of them. It means they're sitting just two points above the League 2 drop zone. The manager says they know they've got to turn things around. Very good at what they do. Uh, Matty Gray, the manager, worked with me in the, the, the scouting department um, when he was waiting for an opportunity to get back into football before going into Sutton. Um, and he used to come in and, and you know, uh, be around the training ground and he really enjoyed his company and his football knowledge. And he's found a recipe to be successful coming out of non-league and going into the Football League and sustained it well. The model they use to get out into the league uh, with the, the 4G and, and uh, community club and raise funds, yes, of course, is the modern way. Um, we see good local clubs doing it at the moment and, and, and finding their way. So um, something about to adapt, but you know, that's natural when you step into the Football League and you have to return to a grass pitch, different revenue streams. But what some first and foremost are, they're a resolute League Two side, big physical team. Um, that ask a lot of questions the opponent. So more so than anything, it's going to be another challenge at the weekend for us. Um, pedigree in the group is good, hence why they've been signed uh, by the football club. Um, have we been good enough so far? No. We've only conceded 11 goals, which is mid-table in the goal scoring, uh, goals conceded uh, charts. But we haven't scored enough. Low score scorers in the football league. It's not that is not good enough. And never sitting here trying to explain why. Um, I haven't got the answers to why we haven't, um, but we've only scored two league goals. So, again, we can only work as hard as we do at trying to improve it. Is the squad capable of being better? Yeah, I do believe so. I answered that question earlier, so I do believe so. Um, but the onus on us to start it immediately, being better. Trying to make sure that, that we prepare the players correctly and, and they get the right information. And, and, and when they go on the pitch, you know they can rise to the, the levels expected of them from me um, and perform to the standards that they've shown at various times during the season. If we get to those standards then we're capable of beating anybody in the division um, but we've got to be more consistent individually and collectively as a group. Well that's all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news from across Kent. Plus you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.